Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. Putnam Withrow here. Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Our studio's here at 6th and Peabody. We'll get back into the college basketball discussion and more thoughts and analysis and some reaction to what we saw post-game on the losing end of some of these teams. We switch gears, though, first as we kick off the final hour. At some point, there's a deadline. At least I think so. Andrew Brandt joins us uh, from the front office of the Packers. He's, of course, been an agent as well, and he knows Aaron Rodgers and what this saga is like from the Packers' perspective, having lived it with Brett Favre. Andrew, thanks so much, and uh, really appreciate you coming back on the show. Yeah, good to be with you guys. You brought it up, and it, and even you bringing it up then, I just get these, um, not bad, but just kind of this eerie memories because... Uh, it's just amazing how symmetrical this is playing out. As you mentioned, 15 years ago, we pivoted from a Hall of Fame quarterback named Brett Favre to a former first-round pick who'd been sitting in the bullpen for three years named Aaron Rodgers. Now Rodgers is in the role of Favre. Jordan Love is in the role of Rodgers. And it's happening exactly the same way. Three years as it apprenticed, three years where Brett sat with Aaron, his replacement for three years. Aaron sat with Jordan, his replacement for three years. And lo and behold, both are, we think, being traded to the New York Jets. It's kind of uncanny. It's eerie. And you touched on that in your Sunday 7 newsletter this week, which you can yeah. subscribe to anyone listening or watching, andrew-brandt.com. Uh, absolutely free. Also on Instagram, Andrew Brandt too. Uh, you, one of your sayings, there's always deadlines. Deadlines produce yeah. action. Where is the deadline in your mind for this deal getting done? You know, one thing that hasn't been talked about enough is this contract that Aaron Rodgers signed last year where there's an option, but and that makes it sound like the Packers have a decision to make. The problem is the option doesn't have an exercise date until the start of the season. Well, theoretically, you can exercise the option now and any moment till September, but you don't have to. So without that, we really don't have a deadline. The only deadline that I can think of that's anywhere near now is the draft, because theoretically the Packers want picks from the 2023 draft. But to try to make a deadline in the next, in March, in early April, it's hard for me to come up with one, guys, because what do they lose by sitting on their heels? No one's in the building. There's no practices. Aaron's not hanging around the Packers waiting to be traded. Aaron's in California. So I'm trying, there really isn't. But at some point, I do think the Packers have a little more bargaining position than the Jets. Yeah, and I, look, I argued that it's even more than a little more, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Andrew, because yeah. when Aaron Rodgers comes out of his isolation retreat and says, not only do I want to play, 
but I want to play for the New York Jets and I want to be traded. And the Jets have done all these things to appease Aaron Rodgers and build a roster around him. Isn't all the pressure on the Jets to make this happen? There's no real plan B. If you're the Packers, you know what you are right now. You know you're going to be breaking in Jordan Love. You know Everything's sort of stable because they're going under the assumption they won't have Aaron Rodgers. Everything relies on Aaron Rodgers for the Jets. So doesn't that put all the pressure on the Jets in this situation? I think so. I mean, I said this right after the Pat McAfee interview. And I guess I, among others, started this whole debate that we're talking about right now over the past week. I think so. I think the Packers have extraordinary leverage here. You mentioned some of it. What you what you didn't emphasize enough is they flew the owner, the owner's brother, the general manager, the head coach, the assistant coach, the cap person on a private plane for five hours to appease, beg, plead, <laughs> implore Aaron Rodgers to be their next quarterback. He says publicly in front of 400,000 people on a video, I'm in. That's my intention. So now, okay, they go sign, as you said, Alan Lazard, who has a press conference saying, I look forward to playing with Brett Favre. I mean, I'm sorry, Aaron Rodgers, God, sorry. <laughs> um, I'm like, whoa, do they know what Alan Lazard just said? I mean, listen, I don't see any way for the Jets to bluff this. What are they going to say? We're Well, if we go to the draft, we're going to take a rookie. We're going to trade for Ryan Tannehill. I don't see it. So I do think anytime soon, the Packers have leverage. Now, I've, people say arguments that I just don't get about the Jets having leverage. The argument is, well, Aaron's going to show up at the Packers camp. No, he's not. He's not. Okay, he's just not. Or they're going to have to pay Aaron $60 million in September. This is never going to get to September. This is never going to get to September. I just don't think the Jets are going away. I don't think they're going away tomorrow. I don't think they're going away next week. I don't think they're going away before the draft, after the draft. Because what are their options? As you said, the Packers have their quarterback. He's been sitting in their building for three years. The Jets have Zach Wilson. Enough said. Baker Mayfield signed. Derek Carr signed. Jimmy Garoppolo signed. I don't see it. Andrew Brandt with us on Outkick 360. What was, what led to the Favre breakup? And is it, maybe not identical, maybe it is. How similar is it to what you've seen from the 30,000 foot view and what you know of the organization and how things went down then compared to now with Rodgers? You know, I can say this as someone that was, that obviously was a brown bread a long time, but don't know the exact message given to Brett, but there were years, as everyone knows who was around back then, where we, the Packers front office, would beg. We'd go down to Mississippi, please come back another year, please come back, making sure you're coming back another year. But after 07, we didn't beg. We said, hey, Brett, let us know. Pretty much that's it. Let us know. And please let us know by free agency. And of course, he retired, right? Mm -hmm. So I think... I never got this from him, but I feel like he got the message, you know, we kind of want you to retire and move on to Rogers. And it's, and it was exactly like Aaron was talking on McAfee the other day where he said, 
yeah, I come out of the darkness, I find they're shopping me. You know, so past years, begging him to come back, giving him a big contract to come back this year. Yeah, whatever. We'll see. Um, so it's there's a lot of parallel there. Of course, Aaron is not retiring, even though he went into the darkness saying he was. But now he's not. So that makes a little bit different. Andrew Brandt with us. What's your best guess of what happens and when? Well, let's talk about the what before the when. I think the what, there's a second half to this trade, guys, that I think is pretty easy and maybe even done, right? The second half to the trade is a 2024 draft pick that stair steps from, say, fourth round to third round to second round to even first round, depending on Aaron's performance in 2023. That's easy to do, right? Playtime, performance, statistical categories, honors, Super Bowl all those things. That's the easy part of the trade. The hard part is what do the Packers get back in 2023 draft? Because I think they're asking for, I don't know, a one plus, and they're not being offered a one. I That's just my guess. So that's the tricky part. In terms of the when, there's, you know, there's not a deadline, but there's an opportunity next week. The owners meetings, Joe Douglas will be there. Brian Gutekunst will be there. Woody Johnson will be there. Mark Murphy will be there. That's a chance. That's a real chance. So if it doesn't happen next week, I think we're looking at kind of the week of the draft. From the Jets' perspective, is there an ideal time to make this work? Not necessarily for the deal to come together, but for yeah. their purposes, are you sitting there getting antsy at something at some point this offseason if it's not done? Well, you got the fan base, which is frothing at the mouth, right? Yep, of course. So, but then, you know, whoever it is, Joe Douglas has to walk down the hall every day and see Nathaniel Hackett and see their their quad coach and see all their offensive coaches trying to game plan for 2023. I got to think they're preparing for Rodgers. I, I got to think everybody in the building is preparing for Rodgers to be their quarterback. And they're letting Joe Douglas negotiate. So I, I think they're leaving him alone. I mean, that's the way front offices work. You know, you know you're not going to leverage him. But um, they are preparing for Rodgers. I mean, the Alan Lazard thing was kind of obvious. Yeah, they're preparing for Aaron Rodgers to be their quarterback. I will say this, guys. I know I'm partial to the Packers leverage. The one leverage the Jets have, which may be shocking, is that there's no other suitors. There's no other suitors for Aaron Rodgers. No one. Now, could there be? I don't know. I don't know. But I think with age and with, with price, there doesn't seem to be another suitor besides the Jets. Are you surprised that we haven't seen another suitor yet, at least publicly, for Lamar Jackson, where the teams can bid? It doesn't have to be fully guaranteed. The Ravens can match, but we do see a former MVP available, which does not happen in, 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 in large part. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing it twice now because Rodgers is also for the taking via trade to the Jets specifically. But it doesn't have to be the Deshaun Watson deal for a team to make something that's above what Baltimore would do, even if you think Baltimore's going to match. Why, why haven't we seen more from the NFL perspective if you're trying to win and turn over every rock? They sure threw in the, the towel early on this. It's a mystery why teams stepped up to the mic last week, two weeks ago. I just don't get that. It was almost like 
again, you've got the union, you've got people like myself saying, what the heck's going on here? Deshaun Watson's contract, you mentioned it. It's the elephant in the room. I've talked about it for a year now. It's the best contract in the history of the league. It's something where we're going to know probably in the next six months, whether it was just a, a gust in the wind or a precedent. And if Lamar Jackson is unable to follow it as a precedent, who else is left? Who else is there to sort of make sure Deshaun Watson doesn't die alone as the only fully guaranteed contract out there over three years? I'm I'm a little bit dumbfounded by the Lamar Jackson thing, like we all are. I do think, though, when you hear about the Panthers trading at two ones and two twos and not getting Lamar Jackson, people do have to think about price, right? Mm -hmm. So the Panthers are going to pay whoever it is, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young. They're going to pay him less over four years than they would pay Lamar Jackson over one year. That matters. That matters. So, you know, money does matter to teams and even a billionaire like in Carolina. No doubt. Uh, Goodell gets the, the extension. I, I mean, he gets paid and gets paid well for what he does to protect the shield. Um, do, you, do you think Goodell wants to leave his legacy as a global brand more than it is just the 32 teams we have right now in the States and uh, where do you where do you think he hands things off to the new commissioner on this timeline? Yeah, that's a great question I, because I, I was thinking just like you were saying the global side because you look at what a lot's done. I mean, Goodell, not that he's going to coast the next seven years, right. but we've got media deals through twenty thirty two. We've got a CBA through twenty thirty one. So where is he going to spend his energy? Obviously, there's only so many big deals you can do. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I want to know what's what's his top agenda. Of course, they're going to extend him. You look at the value of these franchises. You look at the revenues. We're, we're inching towards $20 billion a year of annual revenues. Of course, they love the work that he's done. And as you said it, he's a shield. He takes the bullets so they don't have to. So I've seen him in action since he started. I was with the Packers when he was announced as commissioner in 2007. And I remember him taking his visits. We all met him. We knew him because he was an intern and worked at the league so long. We knew all about him. Um, so the real question I want to hear from the owners is when they do extend him, which they will next week, what are his top priorities? We got CBA and we got media, the two biggest deals. So what's next? Andrew Brandt, always great with the perspective. Uh, and of course, he's got it covered for you in the, the weekly newsletter, the Sunday 7. You can sign up for the newsletter at his site, absolutely free, andrew-brandt.com. And check him out with the reels as well on Instagram, at Andrew Brandt too. We always uh, appreciate the visit. Uh, we're smarter for uh, having the chat with you today with all, in regards to Green Bay and beyond. So chances are when the, when the deal's done, it will sound similar to what you just described. No. Thanks, guys. Always enjoy being with you. Yeah, thank thank you for providing clarity. Yeah, we appreciate you. that. Yes. You got it, guys. Tough to find uh, nowadays, Chad. Clarity. He provides it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep saying it. It sounds good. Rolls right off the tongue. Providing clarity with Andrew Brent and his newsletter. So what he's saying there, we certainly saw the teams throw in the towel early on Lamar Jackson. But 
okay, maybe it's not Carolina's price. Seattle's paying Geno Smith $53 million in 2023. Like that, that's crazy to me considering what could have happened this offseason with Seattle. And I know G- Geno had a great year, but haven't you seen the ceiling for Geno Smith? That would be my argument. And I certainly think when he's healthy, Lamar Jackson takes you to a whole different level. I'm not saying he fits everything you do, but man, if you're trying to win, the dude wins. Same as Jimmy G. It's hard to go against the 45 and 17 record or whatever it is as a starter. It's a great mystery. I mean, it, it really is crazy to think about. There are other moves to discuss. There was a lot happening this weekend across the National Football League. Signings and a potential great player in the current state right now for his position. A really good safety could be available, and it's over a contract dispute. That's next on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. First phase of free agency wrapped up. You start looking at the guys who are available now compared to where we were a week ago. Vastly different. Now kick 360 rolls on. But one of the NFL's top safeties could be available. Reports are that the Titans went to Kevin Byard and said, hey, uh, we need you to take a pay cut. And his agent and him, they responded perfectly. Said, no, we're not going to take a pay cut. We don't want to. We'd love to stay here. But if you don't like us uh, at the number we're playing at currently... We'll go somewhere else. He's the second highest player on the roster currently behind Ryan Tannehill for the biggest cap hit in 2023. And they have been freeing up money. They have the lowest payroll right now for 2023, roster to roster. Just comparing that before the draft, a lot can change. But they're definitely freeing up money on the side of the Titans' perspective. And Chad... We've seen him be an all-pro and a pro bowler 2017 and again in 2021. Played well last year, too. 
That would be a signal of a rebuild based on what Bayard means to the defense and where he is along his tenure as an NFL player, as a guy that they've drafted out of Middle Tennessee. And he's been a great asset for them on and off the field. And I, I don't think this was received very well based on all of that. If you want to free up some money, Ryan Tannehill's costing you uh, quite a lot. And you can save $16 million right now, I believe. Maybe it's 18 against the cap by either trading or releasing him. Well, from Kevin Byard's perspective, he's thinking there are plenty of players you could go to that may not be worth the money you're paying. Well, they've already cut those guys. <laughs> I'm still playing. Yeah, well, I, he could say I'm still playing at a high level and I'm yeah. earning my contract and what you're paying me. And I, I'm on Kevin Byard's side on this. I don't want to discourage any NFL player from not being a great citizen in their city and not declaring loyalty to their organization and not saying things like, I want to retire on this X team as a Jet, a Lion, a Packer, a Titan, a Jag, a Texan, a Ram, whatever. Wherever you are, if you love it, I want you to be 100% genuine and authentic to who you are and speak truth. But here is where that can get you in trouble. If you appear overly loyal to an organization, they see you sometimes as a mark. And here is a new general manager coming into the Titans and saying, this guy over here who played college football 30 minutes down the road from this team, who was drafted in the mid-rounds, who is a great NFL success story, who has publicly declared his allegiance to the Titans organization, and wants to be a lifer with the Titans, that's the guy we go to to ask to restructure his contract and take a pay cut because he is so loyal that he is going to sacrifice his own money to help the club and to help the team and to help the market. Again, I'm not advising someone to not be a good citizen and not be honest and say you want to be there for life. But when you say these things, oftentimes general managers can take that as even if they're playing at a high level, doesn't really matter. This is a guy that may actually restructure and take a pay cut. I, I think the, the Titans are the, the most unpredictable team in the draft right now. They're pick 11th. They have players that are tradable that will also help them on the cap. You start to look through their roster, there are not many players that are going to get you chunk of uh, a chunk of cash free to go out and spend under the cap right now. And Byard's one of them. The other one's Ryan Tannehill. Byard's got around a, a $18 million cap hit, $19 million cap hit this year. Uh, Tannehill, if he stays right now without restructuring, is at 36. I mean, it's a vastly big jump up for, for Tannehill and his, his contract details. But I also think you don't want to restructure yet because you don't want to kick the can down the road on cap hits that you're going to take or willing to absorb now if you can make other moves, which they've done, they are freeing up options. And I don't know if this is a piece to a trade or a, uh, an idea that, oh, here's a guy that's loyal, so he'll restructure and we'll get, we'll get a, a savings. But in either case, it's a signal that they're freeing up money and they're also going to keep the payroll extremely low. And if you want to do that, with a new stadium coming, you need cash on hand, you're putting $700 million in after liquidating some things, within uh, the, the family business. If you're trying to do all that, the way to do that is with a rookie salary at QB, not with the veteran salary uh, that Tannehill's currently making. At least 
that's how I view it. Th- I'm, I'm fascinated to see what happens with Rand Carthon, who comes from San Francisco. Now, if I'm Kevin Byard and my general manager comes in and says, hey, we want you to take a pay cut because we're ready to cut salary and rebuild, mm-hmm. I say, hell no. Do I want to be a part of that? And I'm not doing that. Flip side, if Rand Carthon comes to you and says, we want you to take a pay cut because we're trying to get Lamar Jackson and make all that work to make a run, is your answer different then if you're Kevin Byard? Possibly, but they've also got to re-sign Jeffrey Simmons. Yep. And Byard also knows they just traded A.J. Brown a year ago when he wanted to get paid. And you've got Tannehill and Henry coming up on their final year of deals where you don't owe them anything past twenty. But that definitely changes the context. If your GM comes to you and says, we're doesn't, doing this because sound like we want to go down, try to win a Super Bowl and we're going to try to get Lamar Jackson and we're going to try to sign Jeffrey Simmons and yeah. we're going to do some other things. And to do that, we're going to go to you and maybe a couple other guys and try to work this out some way so that we can go big. That's a very different response from me if I'm Kevin Byard as opposed to, hey, man, we need you to cut some salary because we're going to go full rebuild mode and we're going to go 4-13 and 13 this year. Yeah. Enjoy making less money to be miserable all autumn and lose most of your games. Well, it doesn't sound that way because he, Teron Davenport had the, uh, had the report through ESPN that he has not asked for his release. That was also floated out there. And, and Teron saying that did not happen. Something to follow because he can that be a That also could be semantics. Something. I mean, you could say, if you don't like me, you can cut me. And that could be seen as asking for your release, but also just a, a statement that if I'm so bad, I'm not going to cut it. You know, I'm not cutting my pay. If I'm bad, cut me and I'll go get a gig somewhere else. That could be seen as asking for your release, or it also could be seen as just saying what you should do as an organization because I'm not taking the pay cut. Something to follow. Uh, I'm also following the Detroit Lions. They're having a solid offseason to pair that with what they did last offseason. C.J. Gardner-Johnson signed with uh, the Lions over the weekend. Chad, they're making moves. The report was out last week that um, players want to go and play for Dan Campbell. Like There's chatter around the league about trying to get to Detroit, believe it or not. And what he's done versus where we... What I... The, what, what was perceived of Dan Campbell at this time last year to this year is a complete 180, at least for me, on what he's done. And, and they've done a really nice job. They're bringing the coaches back. Uh, young offensive coordinator Ben Johnson that's working with Jared Goff again this upcoming season. They've loaded up or have a chance to load up even more on the defensive front, depending on what they do in the draft. And offensively, they have pieces that are healthy. Jamison Williams. Uh, is one of them from Bama who came on at the uh, December of last year off the ACL, the national championship game. Uh, and I'm looking at uh, as Detroit as, as one of those teams that may be the media darling come August. Hun, I'm going to surprise you right now. Can we go to church for a second here with okay. what I'm about to tell you? Um, I recently brought up an example of a Sunday school class I was attending about the Sabbath and about resting. Well, now the Sunday school class is about unanswered prayers. Oh. Okay, and how you deal with unanswered prayers. You pray for something to happen over and over again. You pray, you pray, you pray. One of God's greatest gifts are often unanswered prayers. Garth Brooks said that, not the Bible. Um, but when you pray and pray and pray and nothing, it doesn't ever happen. What you're praying for doesn't happen. How you, how you handle that. Okay, I'm going to get to a point here about the lines. Because I feel like when you go through something, especially if you're a fan or a team, and you lose, and you lose, and you lose, and you lose, and eventually you're good. You can only truly 
be joyous in the moment of being good if you've lived through the awful. But what if you're a, an organization or a fan that just only sees awful? And then what happens when you don't see the good again? That's what it feels like to be a Lions fan, I think, in many ways right now. But here's the good news for the Lions, and this signing is the latest example. I am a true believer. I believe in Dan Campbell. I believe in the Lions, and I believe that they have established an identity of the type of player they want. And I believe they can win even with Jared Goff as the quarterback. So what has been unanswered prayers for years, I think may finally get answered because they're doing the right things. We may play this back and I look foolish because they're the Lions again. They don't make the playoffs. But Hutton, I don't think so. I think this is a team that is investing in the right type of player. Dan Campbell has an idea of what they want in that organization. They have an identity. They have that identity. They're going to be tough. They're going to be physical. They're getting the guys who love football. All the cliches you could throw out about what every organization says they want. I believe the Lions finally have. I think the prayers from Lions fans are about to be answered. Really where it comes down for me, the year with Jamar Chase going to the Bengals, Panay Sewell ends up in Detroit at left tackle. That's where things started to turn. And then they, they had the gift of Aiden Hutchinson a year ago. So if you start looking at the quality players they're bringing in and the production that guys are getting, their offensive line is one of the very best, if not the best, in the league. Philly's there too. Uh, paired with a defensive front that's getting better because Aiden Hutchinson's a part of it. But if you start going through the depth chart and where they can be after the draft, um, adding in uh, Gardner Johnson. They have Emmanuel Mosley there now. Uh, Jeff Okuda, one of the top prospects from a couple seasons ago. They, they signed Cam Sutton from Pittsburgh. Perfect fit for the type of mentality and, and tone that comes, uh, comes across with Dan Campbell. They've got options, and they can go get the best player available in the draft. It's been a while since you've said that. It's been a long as a, time. As a football fan. Since the Lions were a best available player type team, it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, the Texans, also really bad. They have agreed to a record-setting extension for Laramie Tunsil. Um, he, at one point, was the highest paid. He's the highest paid again. He's the most recent offensive lineman playing left tackle to sign. $25 million per year, highest paid offensive lineman in NFL history. They trade Brandon Cooks to Dallas. And while they don't get him in return, they've signed now Dalton Schultz, uh, Great tight end for Dallas over the last couple of seasons. Their franchise tag player last season. They chose not to do it this year. Could not get a deal done. Many thought that Schultz was asking way too much. He ends up, and I'll pull the report here one second. Um, Dalton Schultz. No details on the contract yet based on this tweet. Jordan Schultz is the uh, guy breaking the news here. So he's now shining in Houston. So from Dallas to Houston. 198 catches for 17 touchdowns over three years. In Dallas. Did you ever think, going back to the Laramie Tunsil signing, that that night that the no. gas mask photo was released, that he'd be the highest paid offensive lineman in the NFL one day? No. And, I mean... What a story of overcoming adversity. And he's been good. Well, that, yeah. He's I been mean, very good. He's, he's now the good. highest paid lineman in the NFL. Well, part of that is you, you're able to... You're uh, the next guy up. Yeah. <laughs> but, he, I mean, he's, he's done it multiple times now. And even uh, some people thought that the, uh, the, the details with... Uh, Tunsil coming out in the draft is a bad pick for Miami. It's not the case. Uh, Dalton Schultz, we're seeing a lot of one-year deals today. 
um, one year up to nine million. So the base will be somewhere around probably seven, I'd guess. But he doesn't get the contract he thought he was going to get. That's way he's betting on himself with Houston and a rookie quarterback that's coming in. It's um, yeah, I I I don't love it. <laughs> if I'm do you if I'm Dalton Schultz, I felt like he was going to get better than that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just got to. You have to produce and hit the free agent wire again. I hope you don't get tagged. Adam Thielen's in Carolina. Um, Odell Beckham Jr., he wants to get paid. He's not going to get that type of money. And he, the reports were 15 to $20 million in 2023. Way too many wide receivers available right now. And if I'm a team, I'm not going to sign Odell Beckham Jr. whenever I can wait on the NFL draft and see what happens there and see where my roster is after that. I think the assumption he, is it won't happen until after the draft either way. And he said that he hasn't he hasn't demanded that type of contract. He's trying to clarify that now, but that's the the per, the perception is he's trying to be paid among the the top wide receivers in the league, and he's been that, but he's also been hurt now, uh, two out of the last three years. That you have to take that into account. Doesn't it feel like he's just total mercenary status now, in that teams will just wait to see what they really need if they feel like they have a chance to go for it. And they'll they yeah. he might be signed after the season starts by someone for that reason. Oh, I think I don't and think just it, remain out there. It won't be that long. You think it'll be before the season? I mean how, how many thirteen I think teams regardless, were watching it work out? He's definitely he's thirty years old now. Regardless, he's definitely mercenary status. Well, so where where I think the hands are tied a bit, he's got a very specific list of where he wants to be. He wants to play for a contender. He's not going back to Los Angeles for that. He's not going to Arizona. They trade Hopkins. It's not going to be Odell. If, he, if, that's the, if that's the reason why you're signing with the team, he's going to go to Kansas City or Buffalo, right? Or you pair up with one of the East, uh, Baltimore. Pair up with Lamar Jackson. Wouldn't it be fun to watch him with Patrick Mahomes? That's an experiment I'd like to see. Yeah. See how that works out. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, ends up with a new contract off yeah. of playing with Mahomes. But uh, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great example of where Odell Beckham lands, and it, you know it's going to make a difference for that team. Not like Kansas City needs to get over the hump, but that's where it, you can certainly have a, a massive star for the league who's better than 95% of the wide receivers across the league. And Andy Reid would do great things Does this happen before training camp? I think so. I think it, it, it could happen right before the draft once teams determine what they're going to do. But I wouldn't jump out there and start paying that money for him uh, when you have the option of doing it a year ago in a trade for AJ or uh, if you want to look around and think about what Tyreek Hill meant uh, to Miami. I would try to find the speed in the, in the draft and then come back over the top with Odell Beckham Jr. He could also end up in Dallas, though. Yeah. Dallas didn't want to sign. They just, they just traded for Brandon Cooks. But Dallas didn't want to sign Dalton Schultz to big money in order to keep some options open. And we know how much Jerry Jones loves stars. Not just the star on the side of the helmet. He loves stars in general. So that, that would make uh, a ton of sense and they didn't to want to bring pay, in Odell Beckham Jr. He didn't want to pay Zeke Elliott either. Hit us up with your thoughts. Outkick 360. Best NFL uh, free agents remaining. The list is thin. I was looking at the starters. Printed this off this morning. The, uh, the, the names don't jump out to you. This is why you wait uh, for, for the draft. Uh, Let's see. Cornerback Christian Gonzalez. Oh, it, that's my rookie list. It, Brandon Cooks traded. Uh, other notable contracts recently. Uh, let's see. Edwards recently signed. And it's just a, a, a bunch of backups, really. 
Uh, Von Bell to the Panthers. Nothing that really jumps out. The best free agent right now is Lamar Jackson. He's eligible. And no one's talking to him. Zeke Elliott, DJ Chark is at wide receiver. Uh, Bobby Wagner at linebacker. Rocky Sin, Chad. Rocky Sin at corner. Rocky Sin sucks. Uh, we saw that firsthand in the AFC South for a while. Yeah, Corey Not Davis very good. Ripped him up. Coming up, we head back to great the, name though. The bracket. It's great. Terrific name. We head back to the bracket where we should rip up that as well. And look at it from this perspective: which storyline is the most unlikely to play out? But Chad, you and I would be willing to bet on. Where does the line stop for the odds to win a national championship? I've got I've got am three stunned. that have very very low odds that I feel bullish on well, all. That's three. what I'm saying. I'm really surprised about the gap between yes. Alabama and Houston. Well, I'm surprised about else. who's so far down that list. I'll I'll explain when we come back. Yeah, that's next. Now, three sixty. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Chad, I'm looking at the college basketball championship futures. Alabama, your favorite, plus 320, followed by Houston at plus 400. Then there's a drop. UCLA, plus 850. UConn, plus 900. Creighton and Texas are the next two schools after that. Tennessee at plus 1100. Gonzaga is plus 1200. The middle of the pack, to me, is way undervalued for the betting public currently. Let me give you three at each level okay. that, I, that I love right now. I think Alabama's going to win, but if I'm taking a chance yep. on one of these long shots, Connecticut, who you mentioned, fourth in line right now at plus 900. I love the way they look. Uh, Gonzaga, at below the odds <sighs> of Tennessee, shocks me. For this Gonzaga team, honestly. Tennessee at plus 1,100. Gonzaga at plus 1,200. Love the Zags at plus 1,200. And finally, the 14th out of 16 teams. Miami, plus 4,800. Yeah. I would throw $5 on that and not ask any questions right now. That Miami team, what do you need more than anything in the NCAA tournament? Veteran guards. They have two of the best guards in the country. In Isaiah Wong and Nigel Pack, they are terrific. I am done underestimating them in the tournament. They went to the Elite Eight a year ago. They knocked off Auburn, who I think was a two seed in round two last year. They've looked really good so far. They dominated Indiana last night. Yep. I love the way Miami's playing. What do you think about uh, Texas? We've got Rodney Terry. He's 21-7 and seven now as the, the coach since Chris Beard was, was fired with cause. And I mean... He's earned the the job now. Yeah, he's, he's going to get the low. He's going to get, get the low buyout. They'll adjust the buyout. You give him the job. 
because you're not going to see uh, like a Scott Drew take that gig, right? I don't know who else you would look to in the moment. He's at 21 and seven in the Sweet 16. You, you hand the keys to him. Yeah, he's been terrific. I mean, if you think about everything that could have gone wrong after the whole deal with Chris Beard, and he's dismissed early in the season. Rodney Terry has been unbelievable. Uh, it, it doesn't matter what he does from here on out. He's earned a, a long-term contract from Texas. He's, he is their head coach moving forward. I don't think there's any doubt about that. There's not much of a decision to be made, quite frankly. You give Rodney Terry the extension, and you remove the interim label, and you make him the full-time head coach in Austin. The team I can't wrap my mind around right now is Creighton and, and where I see them going through all this. Uh, well, the, they, they flat out said no to our request for an interview with yeah. uh, Greg McDermott, so they're at the bottom of my list now, too. Creighton will go out in the next game after having done that. It's, it's karma is what it is. Roger Goodell has been commissioner of the NFL for just about 20 years, and he's going to get an extension from the owners. That's no surprise. Although, this, what, a couple months ago, we did hear, uh, uh, I believe Jerry Jones was... Let it, let it be known about the contract structure for the commissioner and how he wanted it changed. He was the only one uh, from the, uh, the fund, of the, the finance committee of all the owners to not uh, say universally, yeah, Goodell's our guy, let's, let's present this. He, he had the dissenting vote there. He's 64 years old, Roger Goodell, and uh, entered the league in 2006. Coincidentally, that was also when Pac-Man Jones uh, was going through his suspension out in Vegas. Uh, about 12 months into the league at that point. His current deal expires at the end of next season. And earlier, you just joined us, Andrew Brandt was on with us, and I asked him, like, where does Goodell want to leave his legacy and turn things over to the new commissioner? And I, I think it's in Europe. I think it's more of a global conquering that he wants to open the door for. We're now seeing multiple games in Germany. Five games will be played in Europe next year. They, they continue to add games uh, overseas. And that's only going to continue as they continue to branch out. And I, I said, uh, maybe it was about a year ago now, I think we'll see a division of four teams in London or within a travel distance of Europe. And that's where we'll see Goodell at the end of his tenure, at the end of this contract, hand things off to the new commissioner. I think that that's what the owners are pushing for. And he knows based on what they're doing uh, by going over there every year and adding this platform of multiple teams, not just Jacksonville. That's where we're headed with all this. I don't think they even have to go that far. I think that they're already expanding globally by playing more games over there. In a world where I can watch a documentary about a Welsh football club, soccer club, owned by Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney called Wrexham, and then I see that Wrexham is touring the United States because so many people watched a documentary about the team and they have a lot of interest here. I just feel like that's the way the world is opening up in so many ways. There are watch parties for English Premier League clubs all over the U.S. early in the morning, every Sunday, every Saturday, whenever they play. It's going to be the same for the NFL. That, that's the next frontier. I don't think you even have to make the investment in teams in Europe to make that work. He's already doing that. None of this surprises me. He makes those owners so much money. Not that a and lot of people couldn't do the same with the NFL and what that product means right now, but he's done it. 
He's continued so, to grow the brand, the product, making everyone money. So this announcement, it does not surprise me no, one bit. No, And here's why you want the division, though. You want the TV rights in Europe. What's Sky Sports going to pay for that? What would Apple or Amazon bundled together get for just being able to air that plus, have the exclusive rights to that plus what would be going on here with Thursday Night Football? They're getting a billion dollars for Thursday Night Football right now. So uh, if you open the door to that with more markets and more TV money, that's why Roger Goodell last season made around $64 million on his contract. For comparison, Rob Manfred made $10 million. And, oh, excuse me, Adam Silver made $10 million. It was Manfred who made $17.5. Goodell's getting upwards of $65 to $70, uh, 70 million uh, with all that. So, Adam, Adam Silver will make a lot more when he's the Disney CEO. Yeah, that'll be a nice That's little a bonus. That's a much more profitable gig. Yes. Uh, Chad, the uh, mother who was so upset watching her son lose in a state final match has gone viral. CBS Sports uh, is where I found this, but she is crying as the wrestling state championships are going on as uh, her son is pinned to the mat and she rips off her glasses and just proceeds to like bundle them up like I would this uh, piece of paper and crack them and throw them. And then she's consoled uh, by a friend as she gets rid of her glasses and tosses them away. This woman was an alternate for the United States judo team at the Olympics. You, you need to seek counseling on this one. Yeah. Okay? Your it's son over the top. was going for a fourth national championship and lost the semis. It is a devastating moment, no doubt, and disappointing. But? But he's won three national titles. Now imagine. And you gotta hold your you got to hold your water a little better than snapping oh. your spectacles in front I, of everyone when that happens. I see, like, drill sergeant type household there you gotta get out and run uh and, and train constantly if, 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 get on the mats if this kid was under 18 child services would be sent to their house if they if the people witnessed Dude. it and uh, from the stands if this was like an eight-year-old wrestling match then they would probably now, call someone on you now put her in the little league stands i guarantee you it's much worse much worse Speaking of that, that's where I'm headed tonight. I know. Coaching softball. Chad's got his lineups ready. Little league stands. Ready to go. You're still unbeaten, right? We're 1-0. Yeah, so we're unbeaten. <laughs> we'll go for 2-0 tonight. Run rule. Give the points. Lay the points. Spreads 11 runs, by the way, Chad. Uh, we've got the Alabama winning a national title type odds tonight. Great place to be. Also right here at 3 o'clock Eastern tomorrow for Outkick 360.